Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we have Leah Lutz on the show. It will be just Ariel and I as Laura was out sick, but I guarantee you this conversation will knock your socks off no matter what. Leah is a nationally ranked powerlifter and actually just placed multiple weight division records in a meet just a couple weeks ago. So we are talking to her fresh off of competing right out of COVID, what it was like to train for raw nationals in the middle of a pandemic when you're not with your coach, you're not with training partners, you're not in the environment that stimulates PRs and success and, and honestly motivation. So we talk all about that. We talk about how she bridges the world between being an athlete herself and being a coach and how her experience as a teacher really set her up to work with athletes in a different capacity than most fitness coaches do. I absolutely loved having this conversation with Leah today, and I know you will love it just as much. So while you're listening, go ahead, take a screenshot, share it on social, share it with a friend, tag us, leave a five-star rating and review so we can keep getting guests like Leah on the show. And if you haven't already checked it out, be sure to get your hands on the NC Fit app. You get seven free days for a trial. So, I mean, come on, free things. Who doesn't love free things? Seven days of free workouts. We know you'll be hooked after that. You have a different program every day of the week for four different programming tracks. So whether you are looking to compete, you want something a little bit more of a push-pull strength and conditioning, or your overall fitness to go through the roof, be sure to check out the NC Fit app which I've linked in the show notes. Until next week, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. I am your host, Ariel, and I am joined with the lovely Lindsay. And Laura is not going to make it today, but she is here in spirit. And we are sitting down with the wonderful and amazing Leah Lutz. Leah, as a strength coach, as a person of influence in the health and fitness space, I am so excited for you to be here because I am so in love with your message. So first of all, thank you for being here. And we love to kick it off, as you know, with the very important question, how are you making weight? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation too. I just love the tone already. And the question, how am I making waves? Like honestly made me a little bit nervous at first because I thought, huh, I don't make waves, right? Like, but then I thought about it a lot and I thought, no, I do. <laughs> so thank you. It was a good question. Um, and I, think that one of the ways that I am making waves is surprising to me because I did not see myself like this until recently is I have become a woman of influence in strength training. And honestly, it feels kind of awkward sometimes to say that because I never had imagined that this would be who I am or what I'm doing. Um, I was a teacher for 15 years and then and was not athletic at all. And so to even say that is a little bit jarring at first until I recognize this is my life passion right now. And I love working in the strength world. I love working with people, um, men and women, but I 
as a woman in the strength world, we all know that that puts us in the minority. And so having been there now for a number of years and having been able to work with quite a few different people, I realized that is definitely the way I'm making waves. So it was a good question for me to think about. I, first and foremost, Leah is being so humble because she's like, yeah, I'm in the strength and conditioning world. No, <laughs> Leah crushes it and is a world ranked weightlifter. So I appreciate the humility, but like, bask in that amazingness for a second. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah. So, so uh, and I am just coming off of a fun competition for me. Um, lifting is a huge part of my life. And this year in particular, I think was helpful in me even being able to answer this question because we just had USAPL raw nationals and I not only competed for the sixth year in a row and finished I've, every year I've competed I have competed in the top five in my class so I took second place and set a couple no not a couple four American records in my class <laughs> um, but this time I was also able to coach a number of other people um, I've coached a couple people here or there at this level of meet, but this time I had six of my own clients who also competed and all medaled. And every one of their experience was also fantastic and inspiring. And it was a lot of work, um, but it was just, it was a great experience. And um, so that was, it was a new mark this year to compete at that level, but also to coach so many people. And it was fantastic. Loved it. Yeah. So what, what, how, what has it been like, especially being a coach of others and training as hard as you do yourself with a year and a half of us not being in the gym or with training partners? What was that experience like? Yeah. Important question. Like as far as competing after this long, my last competition was at the end of February in right before the lo everything locked down. So I was in one of the last meets in California um, because then it was in March that all the gyms and competitions and everything locked down. So yes, it felt like a really long time and that brought a little bit, not a little bit, it brought a lot of extra anxiety <laughs> before going to nationals because there was this sense of it's been too long. Am I going to actually remember what to do? Um, how is it going to feel? Uh, but it, I mean, everything just kind of comes right back and I enjoy it so much that it just all you know, fell into place. But training for me, but in particular, a lot of my clients was very, very complicated over the last year and a half. I'm pretty privileged um, because this is my job. I do also have quite a bit of my own training equipment. So I was able to keep all of that up. But um, the number of times that I was working with clients all because I work with clients all over the world as well. So I have clients even now who are going into new lockdowns still. And so the number of times that we pivot over and over and over again, you know, if we're going to train, train in a gym, now we're going to train at home. You have no equipment. You have one kettlebell. You're going to do all body weight work. And so I think it was a year and a half of so many of us learning so much about ourselves and fitness and recognizing it doesn't have to be tied to one thing. And I think so many people get into fitness and exercise and movement and they discover something and they like it and they get so hyper-focused on it that they're not able to see how many other options there are that are totally worthwhile 
And I, I know that so many people saw that. Um, if they stuck with it and found new ways to work, they realized that they were making progress in ways that they never would have imagined, both physically and mentally, throughout this whole lockdown. So as a person myself, but then, because I trained all by myself, which I'm not really used to, almost the whole lockdown, but then also what I saw in my clients was their own growth in understanding themselves and fitness. So it was pretty exciting in the end, even though at times it was insanely stressful and a whole lot of work. <laughs> I'm giggling to myself because I'm like, yeah, I had my 15 pound dumbbells all of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ariel, it looked like you were going to say something. I was just laughing about that too, but it's so interesting to see the shift that we've all made in being okay with how it looks and being okay with it looking different. And I know for you, you've gone through a really big health transformation on for yourself. And I'm curious to know, maybe not from the very beginning, but what throughout that process for you has been the biggest maybe change that you've had to make in being okay with things looking different? Yeah. So one of the first things that comes to mind is learning and then really embracing the idea that I have, have a lot more um, strength of all types than I thought I had right? Because when I was faced with those various different challenges, and even in making like a big life fitness health change initially, like it feels so overwhelming and you hit those barriers and you think, I can't do it. I can't do it. But having other people around you who remind you that you can do it and I'm going to help you do it, that like was huge. And at the beginning, it was a lot of people saying, I know you can't believe it, but you can, like, you're going to keep going, you're going to do this. And so that would be reflective even of what's so important to me now as a coach. But then when, as time went on, and then my coach in particular helping me realize I really, really did have a lot more in me than I ever believed. <laughs> and that was just like, so profound of a lesson for me, because like I said, like I have zero athletic background. I was that person who grew up and I would speak of myself and act like I cannot do anything. Like can't throw a ball, can't hit a ball. Like d d hated PE, did not play sports. Like I was just, I, I mean, I did when I was young, young, but then pretty early on, I just, for a lot of reasons decided this was not my thing. And so it just became my narrative that I had no athletic prowess at all. And so to begin doing something like CrossFit and then lifting when I was in my 30s and then realizing I did like it and it wasn't all awful and I could learn new things, like it was a serious mental shift for me to recognize I had that. And so then that carries over into so many other things, not just training, but then I realized, yeah, like I have a lot in my past I can draw on that reminds me I can keep going. It may not be easy. <laughs> I might still have to like push through something, but I can keep going. That's so huge. And I want, oh man, I just want to dig deeper into it with you because I feel mm -hmm. like this is a place where a lot of people get stuck, right? Is maybe I'm unhappy or maybe I feel stuck and I just don't 
I have this narrative that it's not my thing or that I can't do something else or that there's not another option out there for me. So when you were there, how did you kind of tap into, well, maybe I can do more because I know you had that support system, but it also kind of like, you can have all the people in the world around you telling you, telling you, you can do it, but until you believe it, it doesn't really happen. So what was that for you? Yeah. So at the beginning, it was definitely, I think, a, a pretty strong sense of, I don't know if I can do this because I had gained and lost weight cyclically for a long time, you know, so there had been um, a lot of patterns of failure. And so that was definitely in my mind. So not only unathletic, but I was like, I, I'm just in this cycle. So at the beginning, I think it was this sense of everything is pretty bad. It's hopeless. So I kind of think my only choice is to try because I don't like, there's nothing else to do. Right. So I'm going to try it again. And I I was sure I was going to fail. Like I can look back and I know that like, I didn't have a lot of confidence, but I was like, I don't have another option, but to try this again. And at that particular time, it was a group of people at very specifically at my CrossFit gym who said, we know this is really hard and we're here to help you. And so we believe you can do it. And so for a while, that was definitely what kept me going. But with that, there was still that sense of, I, well, I guess too, I realized part of the reason that I was willing to make that change was there was something that had changed in me that helped me to know and believe that this was only going to happen if I did it as well. Right. So I was no longer exactly looking for some perfect plan or the right diet or the right program necessarily. But I think there was a small shift in my brain that said, Leah, this is on you, <laughs> right? So you get to tackle this now, you get to deal with it. And I remember so many times there were times when I said, it may cost me a lot of time. It may cost me a lot of money. Um, it may, it's probably going to like be tough and painful. I won't want to do it, but I'm the only one who can do this. Like just, I think that was huge. Me accepting that no one else is going to make this change for me. They're going to help me, but it really is on me and um, not in a negative way, but that was an empowering decision to recognize that, um, yeah, there was lots of help, but I could do it. And then, um, and I think that that then just grew as I, other people helped me to find more successes. And um, so that's then one of the things that really made me want to become a coach because I saw the power of other people in my own life and recognizing that I did have that mental shift. Like, I'm not going to deny that, but it was so supported by other people who said, Yep, we see that in you. And in fact, we see even more than you believe. So I remember even so many times when I would even tell my coach, I, I don't even know how you believe I can do this. <laughs> you know, whether it was weight loss or lifting or a competition, I would tell him so many times, I, I think you're lying, actually. <laughs> like You're making this up. Like, there's no way I can do this. Um, and he'd be like, nope. Nope, you can. And so, you know, that was also one of those things. And, you know, he's not a liar. I mean, he doesn't like bullshit and just like tell me fake things I can do. So he was right. But, you know, it, it, it took a lot for me to believe in myself. 
but I did have that initial realization. It's I get to do it. Me. So. Yeah. The radical responsibility piece is so big. I think that people overlook it so much and can get into like victim mentality or yes. negative self-thought. And not that those of us that say, yes, I can do it, don't have those things happen. <laughs> exactly. But I think it's the difference between, I equate it to like the first time I walked into a CrossFit gym and there were girls just repping out muscle-ups. Yes. And I was like, yeah, right now I do not have the capacity. I don't even know how to get up there like that. I don't right. have that capacity. But the fact that you're doing it shows me that it can be done. Like, yes. all I have to do is believe that I can do it too and, and train in that way. Right. What was that like big turning? Was it like a life change? Was there a big factor in your life that you were like, you know, I've gone through trendy fad diets. I've trained in these ways. I've, you know, to use your words, I've failed and failed and failed and failed. What was it that you were like, and now I have nothing left but to do this. Yeah. So for me, for the longest time, I thought there was no like thing. Everybody talks about how there must be a thing. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I realized there was, and it was a combination of some responsibilities I had in work and then a realization of some changes in my social life. So at that point in my life, a lot in my career was going very well. I loved what I was doing. I was growing. Um, doing more things, but that involved a lot more travel. I was speaking to groups. I was flying, meeting with people in different places. And when you have obesity, especially marked obesity, I, I was 265 pounds at my heaviest weight. And so that makes all of those things very difficult. And it was becoming physically exhausting. Um, if, you know, the, the act of walking down a plane aisle, knowing you don't fit is an awful, awful feeling. Sitting in an airplane and thinking, I could be at the point where I need, like, I'm not going to fit. Like, it's uncomfortable now. And what happens if I'm any larger or choosing where you sit in a restaurant so that you can easily get in and out of a table? Things that some people don't ever realize, but I realized I was thinking about those things constantly. And it, I hated it. <laughs> it was awful. And then I realized because of that, then more and more of my social life was diminishing because I would work and find, you know, push myself in that, but it was very exhausting. And then it just constantly reminded me that I was pretty unhappy with a lot in how I looked and how I carried myself and how tired I would get. And I mean, we live in Santa Cruz and I would not want to go to the beach because when you're that out of shape and that heavy, like walking long distances down like the Rio Del Mar beach is exhausting. You're just like, oh my gosh, like this takes so much work. And so all of those things kind of came together and I realized it was, and I, I know some people don't like the new year, but I'm definitely a whatever, like inspires you to like find a restart. I don't care if it's the new year or your birthday or whatever. Like I personally love those things. And I always find times of the year to reflect. And it was about that new year time that I said, okay, this, I'm, I'm super unhappy with too many things in my life. And yet I have a lot of great things in my life. So I want this to change. And that with it, those all came together and that's when it was. That is a really powerful turning point is to be able to say, just to have the awareness of, 
okay, this is no longer working. And maybe like something at some point, those habits did serve you, right? Like we don't develop habits if they're not serving us in some way, but for you to be able to have the awareness and recognize, okay, the habits I have right now are no longer serving me is a really powerful awareness. How, man, like, I know you work on this with your clients as well. Like, how are you having these conversations with your clients around, hey, here's how we start to develop these habits. Here's how we start to change what we're doing now. That can be a really scary process. So I would love to know your thoughts. Yes. So first off, I just personally really appreciated the way you honored the, like, my life, because I actually think that that's a really important thing. Because a lot of people who hear my story or think about what happened are like, you, they assume that everything prior to this change in my life must have been horrible, right? And they're like, now you're a totally new person and now everything's great. And that's just, to me, that's actually so dishonoring of someone. And so I just like, I 100% appreciate that, this conversation, because I really respect that. I had to learn to respect that in myself. And so when we think about change, like I actually think that's an important component. And I want my clients to understand that as well. All of these different things in our life have a place and they make us who we are for various different reasons. And we could sit here and say, you know, that part of me is, I I don't want it, (laughs) but it's ours. Like we can't, we can't really get rid of it. So we, our other option is to say, it is a part of me. And like you said, there was a reason for it. And so now I'm going to like lean into that. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to say, there's something that is good, maybe a lot that is good out of that. And so that was really, really important to me. And as I learned about change, that became really important because I needed to be okay with all of that. And um, so then I was less afraid of all the changes that were going to happen. But there were times in there that, like you mentioned, change is really scary because you change, you fear, you fear the unknown, you fear the um, move from your norms and your habits and your routine, all of that is just really reassuring. So even if you're talking about a good change, there are times when we face that and go, yeah, but now I'm uncomfortable in this. And so I try to remind my clients of that. There are going to be those times when continuing on with your change feels like too much. (laughs) And, um, for me, I even had to accept that like no change I was making was actually permanent. And this may sound like unusual to people, but even in losing weight, I remember there was a time when um, I had to kind of just like wrap my brain around the fact that if I lost more weight and then I decided I wasn't okay with that, I could gain weight back again. And people, I mean, that sounds kind of unusual, but it's, it, that actually did happen. Um, I am not at my lowest weight now and I will probably, I mean, I'm not ever going to get back to the low, low weight I ever had because that is what happened. I got to a very low weight and it was a good accomplishment and, but I actually did not want to be that weight. And part of me learning that I could regain weight and the scale going up was still good. It was what was good for me and it was what I chose and wanted. And it was like, none of this was exact. I mean, none of it was permanent. 
I, so I was still in control. And that's one of the big things that I want my clients to understand about change. It's hard. There's a lot of feelings and difficulty in it, but you are still in control of the process because it's you. And so I'm, as a coach, I'm here to help you to do the things that matter to you, that you value, that you want to pursue, and they can change a little bit as you go, right? And so a woman might fear, if I do CrossFit, if I do weight training, like, I don't know how I'm going to look. Everybody tells me I'm going to, you know, be too bulky, or I'm going to get hurt, or this is going to be too, like, hardcore, or I don't, people who lose weight, a lot of weight, it is, you know, their body starts to change, and you can start to fear that, like, I don't, what am I going to look like? What if I'm going to have saggy skin? What if I don't like any of that? You can pivot. <laughs> and so as a coach, I can help you pivot if you need to, and that's fine. And so it's that assurance that becomes really, really important when you're facing behavior change, that the individual, not me. So when we talk about as a coach, I'm not the one in charge, right? I'm not the one actually making all these decisions. I do have the experience and some expertise and all of that that I'm bringing to the, to the table, but it's my client who needs to be the one who's making these decisions and guiding. And then I'm the one who's asking the questions, maybe having conversations, offering ideas, but in order for this to work, it's got to be them. So that's my role as the coach. So I wanted to just, first of all, thank you for being so open and honest and vulnerable because I understand and totally recognize that it can be really hard to share a story that it can be uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And one of the biggest things that you said that I loved was that you are just the one to provide some of the education, but your clients are the ones who know their body best. Mm -hmm. And that can be really challenging, I think, for clients at first to understand that, oh, wait, I know my body. Like, I actually have all of the answers. Yes. Um, it just is a matter of how I'm applying that information. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, how that conversation started within you, because I think it can be really easy to skip over for some people, you know, understanding and really being able to trust yourself and trust what you know. So how did you start tapping into that intuition? Yeah. I agree with you. I think it is really hard because it's uncomfortable, right? As people who are going through change, we would like someone to give us something that's already prescribed and laid out with the assurance that it's going to work, right? <laughs> so that's what we're looking for. We want someone to say, here's the plan and I can promise you that it's going to give you the results you want. And so, yeah, in any change, there's that comfortable we have to get comfortable with the messy and the non-linear and the back and the forth and the the things that aren't gonna look like we could have ever planned and we have to be okay with that knowing that we do know ourselves and we do have the capacity to keep moving forward and making great choices or just choices, like they don't, so they're not even always great, but you know, like we have certain things that we can do and we can control. And so those all just start to come together to move us in, in a direction. And the goal is aiming towards our final direction, but it could be like 
pretty scattered <laughs> in the way that we get there. And so when I first started, there was a lot that was very, very controlled and there was some comfort in that. And so I may have some clients who I do in our conversations, I may offer them a lot more um, initially uh, that says, okay, so I heard this from you, like this is what, but I try to help them right from the very beginning, understand this is what I heard you say. And you, they may not have even realized it, I know I didn't at the beginning realize some of those things, but having that kind of pulling out and saying, this is what you said. So because of this, how about if we do this? How does that sound to you? Um, and then for me, having options when I changed also was good. Um, pretty early, cause I just, I did strive for exactness. And so it was like, tell me exactly what to eat. Tell me exactly what to do in my training and then I'm going to be okay. Right. And realizing that I, I, that doesn't work for anybody for very long. And so, um, had to like learn to be flexible, but once I added a little bit of flexibility and realized that things were still good, things were still okay, then I could like gain confidence in that. Yeah. And that's what I want my clients to understand too. Anyone I work with that life is always messy. Like we're going to have some great times when it feels like it's not very messy and then it's probably going to get messy again really soon. And so, you know, just recognizing that and, and then seeing that you have a ton of resources to move you forward. I'm about to get really nerdy and I want your, okay. your input on it. So okay. one of the biggest things um, that we learn as therapists, right, is the importance of reflecting to your client exactly what you heard, right? Um, not only does that, A, assure your client that you're listening, but yes. it also gives that client the opportunity to change what they said or gain a little bit more clarity on what they said. Maybe you understood it in a different way so that it, it gives them some autonomy back. And yes. in that moment shows like you can actually change your mind right now if you want, right? right? Like if it sounds funny to you, things sound so real in our heads. <laughs> yes. They sound so real and so logical. And then we say them and someone says them back and we're like, whew, I've been walking around with that thought for a long time. Yes. <laughs> and totally justifying it. So I love that you bring that into your practice. And I'm curious if, A, you're familiar, it sounds very similar, but familiar with motivational interviewing and if yes. you utilize that. Perfect. I love the head nod. So could you yes. share with <laughs> listeners what motivational interviewing is and then maybe how you use that in your practice? Yeah. So I'm fairly new to motivational interviewing as a practice. Um, didn't necessarily start out with that understanding as a coach, but within the last several years have learned a lot more about it to the point that it has like radically changed how I coach and how I um, work. And uh, several years ago, just kind of took a, you know, started reading motivational interviewing by Rolnick and just like took a deep dive into it and was like, well, I'm going to read more books and then I'm going to take some classes and then I'm going to be in online practice groups and <laughs> all of that. And so, yeah, that there's so many important things with motivational interviewing, but I think some of the things that are important to me or that really stand out, one is the importance and the autonomy, the value of each person that we work with. Because a lot of people who work in 
client care of any type can overpower someone if we aren't careful, right? Because we come into something thinking, okay, like I've already thought a lot about this. I've already worked a lot with this. I have a lot of ideas and I really want to help you, right? We're just like driven by this. I really want to help you. But motivational interviewing so honors and respects the value of each person wherever they are in their journey that it helps a coach or a therapist to understand that in another person and to then draw the strengths out of that person and honor them. And it's that honoring of the individual, I guess, that I love about motivational interviewing and recognizing that each person does have strengths and skills already. And my job is to help them to see that and understand that and then implement that in their life. And then with motivational interviewing as well. So it honors the individual, but then also recognizes that it's their response, it's their job to change, not my job to change them. And so um, I get to have conversations with them. We get to have, you know, these back and forth, whatever it may be that helps me to help them see what do they value? What do they want? (laughs) What concerns do they have? so that they can begin making decisions for how they move forward towards their goals, their values, the things that matter to them. Because, you know, I could come in and say, here's my plan for you. I've never talked to you, I've never met you, but you've come into my door. And in general, I'm gonna say, here's how you should eat, here's how you should train, da 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 da. And that may miss the mark so much for that individual, so. Those are my scattered thoughts on motivational interviewing. (laughs) It sounds very, um, well, it's funny because I used it a lot when I was working in substance abuse. Yes. And when I would explain it to people, they were like, what is this witchcraft? You're changing people's thoughts. And I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) And tried to explain exactly what you just said. Like, I'm just kind of helping them realize what their thoughts are and like where they can capitalize on these things. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things too, that was like so transformative for me with motivational interviewing was understanding the idea of ambivalence. And I don't know, like when I heard that and then started thinking about that and realizing if someone comes to me and they're ambivalent, they're like, I don't know, should I do this? Should I do that? That's awesome. And when I actually understood that, I think that changed so much about how I coached and interacted with people because it took me from being like, why can't you make up your mind? Like, or, you know, like, why are we having this like hesitation? Like, just do this. Never say something, just do that. (laughs) Right. But, you know, knowing that that ambivalence was a positive thing, they had this two minds about it, but that means they, that someone sees some pros, they see some cons. And so we have a starting point. We know we know it's right there. The client is like giving us a place to start and we can go, yep, you know, you, you understand this. You have these health goals, you have these health concerns. And then at the same time, you're kind of thinking, ah, but I'm not really sure about that. So let's talk about those things. Um, let's pull those out a little bit so then we can see where we can go. So that would be the other thing that for sure is like change the way I coach and interact with people. It's so fun talking to other coaches because we, I feel like we're, we're not open enough with 
with how we learn and grow and evolve, you know, like I think there's this little bit of a shade and this is why I love holding space for women because I think that we collectively, when we get together and we hold space for each other, we have so much more of an open conversation around, Hey, this is what I tried and it didn't really work that well. And here's what I'm learning. And like, what have you tried? And I think that for a lot of people, even myself, um, until relatively recently, it's been like, well, I don't want to admit that I don't know or that um, I maybe have something else to learn because then it makes me look not as credible. Yes. But this conversation around like learning and growing and trying new things, it doesn't just stop in the gym, which I think is so cool to hear you talk about because that's something that I think we do. We get stuck in it. It kind of is like, well, no, learning and growing and adapting, evolving is just for fitness. I can't do that in my other parts of my life. Where did that start for you? Do you think? Yeah. So I do think that one of the great things about my, my history is that being a teacher and then being a teacher who then very specifically taught teacher training and curriculum development towards the end of that career, I, I was so involved in how do our students learn? How do our teachers learn? What do we need to communicate with them? How can we do this? You know, teachers who have already been doing something for a very long time are probably some of the most resistant groups of people you could be working with because they're like, um, honey, I have been doing this for 30 years in my classroom, so I don't need to go to a teacher training and have you tell me a new way to do something. But so I think there was a lot of practice there in, um, in understanding. And, and I, so that, without question that was when I learned more about motivational interviewing and those ideas, I went, yes, of course, because if we're not honoring the individual and recognizing all that, that these teachers who have taught third grade for 20 years have already done, then of course they're going to be resistant to us and they're not going to want to change. So then when I like moved that into individuals, like I was able to see that connection. It's like, yep, because you, my client, have been responsible and you've actually done very well at, you know, like keeping yourself alive and moving and functional in society. Like, even if there've been struggles, like this person has had so many successes and it's, they've, they've done it. And so they have things to bring to the table and I may not know them. And then it just changes the focus so much because yes, like as coaches, we are an ex we are a subject matter expert. Like there's also no denying that. Like this is what we do. This is our passion. We learn about it. We we want to do this well. So there's not that's not in question here. But each client or individual also is there an expert on themselves. So then we get to have that conversation and figure out like how can we connect these two so that we can move forward with these two, you know, people working together instead of just one. I love that so much. It's such a collaborative effort. It's not like I'm going to teach you everything and then you're just going to go do it. If it were that simple, like (laughs) there would be a lot less people that needed to work with coaches. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. And, and that's one thing too, that I feel like we, we kind of get lost in is that we feel like maybe we just need a coach when something's wrong, where, where is the harm in, 
wanting to just evolve or wanting to yeah. learn something new. Yeah. I was just having a conversation the other day about, you know, adopting a beginner's mindset and learning something new and being okay with not being good at it yeah. at first. Um, and I, I feel like I'm asking you so many different like questions <laughs> out of different fields, but I'm just so <laughs> curious because I love your, your input on really just your outlook on life. Um, so I'm curious to know for you, what has been for your own journey and also maybe for your clients too, like what is your favorite new thing to learn or what's something that you're learning now that you're like, Ooh, this is really fun. Oh, for me learning. Um, uh, good question. Well, so <clears throat> It does have a lot to do, like not to like, like give like that like right answer, but like without a doubt, like when Lindsay asked about motivational interview, like I am serious. Like when I deep dive something, I deep dive something to the point where I am now applying to go back for my master's because I am so in love with this idea. Right. So <laughs> without question, I'm like, yep, I love this. Like, um, so that would definitely be one of those. Um, it's, it's probably the biggest one. And then the other area personally, just like for my own growth and development is definitely, I am making myself just gain the daily habit and increase my skills in reading research. And so there's so much about this world that I love, but it, I was an English teacher a humanities teacher. So I don't come with a very strong background in the hard sciences, for example. And so, you know, that mental, that just that discipline of saying, I am going to pull up some study and there are going to be things in there that I don't understand. And I'm going to have to look things up and I'm not going to know a lot about it. And trusting that I'm just going to keep doing that and the words are going to start to become more familiar and paragraphs are going to make more sense eventually. Like there's definitely been this, I'm definitely in that stage with some of the, the work that I'm reading right now. And it's good, but it is super uncomfortable when you're an adult and you, know, you mentioned the beginner's mindset and being an adult and feeling like, why am I spending time every day feeling like I'm stupid, <laughs> right? Like I'm voluntarily saying, yeah, I just read that whole paper and I don't think I could summarize it for anyone quite yet, right? But <laughs> we, you know, it's just like knowing that that is the beginner's mindset, that is where that we have to be in that uncomfortable place when we're stretching ourselves to something new. So that would be a prime example of where I am is just being like, yep, so that number may not mean anything to me right now, but five more papers from now, it's probably going to start to click. And then I can talk to somebody about it. And then, you know, like the discipline of, yeah, it's not making sense yet, but after I read five or 10 of them that are related, then I can maybe write some notes about it. I can ask an intelligent question about it even after I've read enough and then be told where I'm not understanding something and where I am and we can move forward. So that would those two things would be one, two, yeah, example. I love that. And I think we've had a really great conversation for clients, right? Like for people that are looking to make change in their lives. 
But I also think what would be so beneficial to hear from you is if you're a coach and you're just starting and you want to start to learn more and you want to be able to make your biggest impact on the people around you, where do you start? Yeah, big one. I think if at all possible, a new coach should find a mentor. And that in itself is an uncomfortable thing, right? To go to someone and say, can you help me? (laughs) Is just like super open and honest. Um, Because we get really nervous about saying to another person, I don't know enough and I would like your help. And because that just carries with it the admission that you're willing to be instructed or corrected as needed. And I think that those are all really important parts of mentoring. Just going to someone and having them tell you all the good things you do is not a mentoring relationship. So when I say that, you want to find somebody who's going to be honest with you and say, yep, you know, like this is, let me go talk about this, (laughs) right? There's a misunderstanding here. Or um, have you thought about this a little bit more? So I think that's one of the really big things is being open enough to find a mentor. And I in offering that, I acknowledge it's super uncomfortable, but it is insanely worth it whenever you're trying something new like that. So that would be the big thing. And then I think the other part is recognizing what you do and do not know. Um, not so that it overwhelms you, but so that you can appropriately find your place. And, um, you know, a lot of People ask about things like imposter syndrome and all that. And I have some new thoughts about that. So don't know that I'm like ready to like dive deep into that. But you know, you ha- when you're new, you have those feelings of insecurity and like, is this really what I should be doing? And in some, and there's all kinds of advice to like, just fight that. Like you're strong, you know, like just go for it. Fake it till you make it. And there's an essence to which you need to do that, right? You do need to believe that you can do this. You've chosen to do this. But I actually, you know, I think that there's a little bit of that tempering that the imposter syndrome also gives us that is pretty helpful. And so I'm not really like totally fake it till you make it (laughs) advice because new coaches also need to know you're new, you know? And so don't necessarily take on everybody who asks you for help. You be okay with saying, you know what, I'm not ready to coach you yet. Um, I've kind of heard your story and what you want, and I'm not the best fit for you. Um, but then keep finding people that are good fits for you. Cause there are lots of people out there who are going to be great for you. And so, you know, you find your mentor, you understand your limits, you also understand your strengths and then you play to those strengths and you're like, okay, like if I'm ready to coach beginners, like I'm full on going to find beginners. They're so easy to find. So just keep looking for them. But like, if the person who's been training for a really long time says, Hey, do you want to help me? And you're like, mm, I don't know. Then just be honest and don't do it yet know that you're going to do it later, but it's not quite time yet. I love that. I totally agree that imposter syndrome can be really helpful. I think it's a really great piece of feedback to lean into, you know, like if you're feeling like an imposter, what piece of that is making you feel that way, right? Like, is it that you feel like you maybe aren't educated enough, or maybe you feel like you don't have the experience delivering the information, like whatever that may be, I think leaning into it can be really powerful. Um, And I do also on the flip side of it, see like you do kind of have to 
believe or maybe like jump before you're ready, you know, like it's a yes. little bit of kind of both of those things and it's like balancing them was the balancing act of the century. But that I love your answer because I think that too often we just hear the fake it till you make it and it can mm-hmm. be really detrimental and that's I think where people get stuck. So hearing both sides of it, you know, lean into the weakness, weakness in air yeah. quotes, like yeah. what can you improve on and be okay with knowing you have to improve something before you take on everyone because we can't help everyone if we don't have the answers. Exactly. Yeah. This has been such an amazing conversation and I am so thankful for you being here. And if other people want to follow you, keep up with your journey, work with you, where can they find you? So the best place to find me, surprise, surprise, is on Instagram, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> so it's Leah underscore Barbell Medicine. Um, my name is Leah Lutz, so you can also search for me and you'll find me there. But Leah underscore Barbell Medicine, search for Leah Lutz Barbell Medicine and you'll see some things I wrote or find my you know contact information there. But Instagram is always is handy. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much again for being here and thank you for sharing and spreading this light. This has been such a fabulous episode. Good. I loved the conversation. Did not necessarily know what to expect, but I actually find those (laughs) to be some of the best, you know, right? Because you're like, well, yeah, like I'm just going to talk with some great people and we'll see where it goes. So thank you guys too. Like I just really appreciated that. So yeah. Thanks, Leah. Of course. Of course. Thanks, Leah. (laughs) Thank you.